The following is a previous broadcast of Rosie on the House. Come on around back, Arizona homeowners. It's the 8 o'clock hour, the outdoor living hour. We're joining John Harper of The Farm's Choice on a beautiful, wet Arizona good morning. If you've got a question about your landscape garden, it's one 767 4348 That's one 888 for you Took a little drive around Arizona yesterday. Every single dry riverbed is running. It's not a dry riverbed. You, you you understand how this riverbed came to be. Yeah, it it does flow sometimes. Yeah, when we get lots of rain, it comes off the mountains and it has to go somewhere. New River was running. The Big Chino Wash. I've never seen uh, water in. Had standing water. There were even engineers on the bridge. I didn't get a chance. We it was too quick to see what the markings on the truck were. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they had it. Hopefully, it wasn't there to. See if the bridge is okay. I, I don't know. <laughs> they had their surveyors out. They had instruments out. I don't know if they were maybe calculating uh, water volume because that all then goes into the Verde that comes into Horseshoe and huh? uh, Barlin. Yeah. Maybe they were just trying to get an estimated water collection. Uh, I, I don't know, but there was a number of them there. When we left Ash Fork and went over to Flagstaff, every spot you know, was just – that there could be standing water. There was. There was places, the barbed wire fence, all you could see was two inches of the T-post sticking out above the water uh, on some of the prairies along the flats we came down. Oak Creek at uh, Cornville had washed out the Windmill Park. It was, it was, it was a duck lake. <laughs> there, was, there was ducks on the grass where the kids you generally play. I think I just saw a thing. Oak Creek was running 20,000 cubic feet per second, which is— I've, you know, a lot of times Colorado River isn't released that much at Glen Canyon Dam, so it's a lot of water. I kayaked the Verde River one time, and we were like at 12,000 feet a second. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a lot of water. So that's good. We need it. I came back from a uh, uh, big ag show in uh, north of Bakersfield Thursday, and it rained from the time we left. It, it didn't stop the whole way till we got home, and... There was places around Palm Springs, and that it was it was really coming down. In fact, one of the highways going into Palm Springs was flooded and closed. So there was things over there, same way, running that you don't normally see any water. It were really running. So we, we need it, and there's more coming, I guess. So that's good. Keep had, it coming. Before this week, had you ever heard the term atmospheric river? No. I Pineapple, <laughs> Pineapple Express, I've heard, you know, describing that, you know, that flow of jet stream. But uh, no, you know, these new terminologies, polar vortex and <laughs> yeah, no, well, well. <laughs> and right now we are sitting at uh, from October till now, our general average is 3.3 inches of rain. And we're before this rain hit. Mm hmm. We were at 7.2, so we were already almost four inches above our annual winter rainfall before this one, and another one coming next week. Yeah, well, good. We need about this in about three years in a row like this. So, <laughs> And this goes to your uh, your water deep. Yeah, well, yeah. So the other part of this is as I was leaving the hotel in Bakersfield, it's pouring. I mean, it is coming down, and guess what? Their sprinklers were running. (laughs) 
So well, I'm not going to go out and turn my sprinklers off in this rain. Just let them go. So if if you still have irrigation systems on, turn them off. I mean, there there can't be a thing in your yard with as much rain and cool weather that we've got going on right now that needs any water. So I I, I still contend that the winter time is the time we need to really conserve. That's when we can absolutely save the most water summertime is pretty tough we 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 can we can do some things and make some adjustments there but winter is when most people either just don't even adjust their irrigation they don't know where it is they don't know how to turn it off learn how to turn it off learn how to adjust it get a new updated sprinkler irrigation controller that will allow you to be more flexible if you don't want to mess with it get a smart controller get something that will actually tell itself hey it's raining out i'm turning off or i'm adjusting it's it's just so simple today that it's it's really there's no excuse not to do it and i guarantee you somebody will drive around today and there'll be air sprinklers running on something but and then if they are running make sure they don't run so long it runs into the gutter and runs down the street and you know there's there's just all of these things that we still need to do regardless we can't get enough rain here (laughs) i mean we just can't so we've got to conserve there's more people moving here every day and there's only so much water and one good one thing about that is when they're coming over from california at least it's all the same water supply you know it's not people coming it's not when they come from the east that's somebody that's not using well, the yeah, I suppose there. I didn't. I've never thought of that. But yeah, if they were using the Colorado River in California and they're using it here, <laughs> you know, it hasn't so. put the strain on our yeah. water resources. It's just, well. but uh, it's it's when they come from outside and and as we grow the bring your own water. If you're moving you here from east of New Mexico, <laughs> you, you got to go. bring your own water with you. How's that? <laughs> BYOW. Bring your own water. Ballot. The number of anticipated growth by 2050 is scary. Uh, I, yeah, it, it, it's, just, it's just hard to imagine where we will get the water for that. So, time will tell. Time will tell. And this week, if you're following along in our home maintenance calendar, we've got our tomato, our potato, tomato and pepper plants. And now's the time to get those in the ground. Absolutely. Um, you know, mid-February, we're right there. Uh, you know, a lot of people have probably already planted, which is a good thing. Just kind of, you know, we had a little cold weather, what, middle or end of January. Had, you know, some pretty hard freezes. Um we're probably out of the woods. Usually Valentine's Day kind of gets us past that. Um, but uh, you never know. It can it can freeze in the valley in certain places up until, you know, towards the end of March. So kind of watch it. But you do want to get your tomatoes, especially tomatoes, in now while it's early. And if you have to protect them a little bit, you can um, just be on the lookout. But you definitely don't want to wait until there's absolutely no danger of freezing to plant your tomatoes. you just be too late. Um you want to do it, like I said, you know, by March the first at the latest. Really, um, is my is really my feeling. And uh, and these aren't seeds; these are plants. Oh, you're too late for seeds. I mean, you know, yeah, you need to be planting a a, a plant right now. Um, nurseries are going to be full of tomato plants now this time of year. 
Um, and the nice know, thing about the plant is you, you, with a seed, you're never guaranteed gem- germination or... Uh, well, and you know, with seeding tomatoes, it's like, how many tomato plants are you going to plant? You know, most people, two or three, maybe... Is more than enough. <laughs> maybe maybe if you've got a big family and you like to can and you like to have a different variety, you might have eight or ten. You know, if you buy a whole pack of seeds, you're going to have a hundred or two. <laughs> you're going to end up having to thin them or only plant part of the seeds or throw them away. So I, I, I'm not so sure that starting tomato plants from seed is... And then, and then you got one variety. I like to have several varieties, so I'll, I'll buy mm. a couple of these and one of that. And you know, there's so many cool varieties of tomatoes anymore with all these heirloom varieties and different things that I, you know I like to try one different every year and you know just mess around with that. So if you only got room for six, eight, ten plants, and you want to have three or four different varieties, you know that's that's you know only a couple of each. So. And what varieties do we have successors? Well, if you're going to plant one tomato, my opinion, you know, and of course, if you ask seven tomato <laughs> growers, you'll get 14 answers because <laughs> it's hard to have an it's hard to have a a favorite. But I think tried and true celebrity is still the best absolute tomato. If you were going to plant one tomato plant, I would plant a celebrity. That's just me. I mean, I'm sure though people will, will disagree with me, but that would be the one I would go get. And then you had mentioned you like to plant three or four, so you have varieties. What are some of those? Other? You know, there's one called Taxi. It's a little yellow one that's awesome. Um, it's a heavy producer, decent-sized tomato, great yellow. Yellow pear, if you just want a tomato that's like candy. <laughs> you know, and they produce immense amounts of tomatoes but you know you can eat them like literally like just popping grapes in your mouth it's 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 pretty cool pretty pretty foolproof and will that be small kind of like grape they're size, little, like little grape cherry. size little yeah that they look like a pear shaped like a pear and they're yellow fabulous for salads or just just picking up and eating like a treat uh very good roma does very well here if you want to you know more of a a, a cooking type tomato although they're fine to slice and eat. Um, Pearson is an old variety that's awfully good. Uh, and then there's all these, you know, Brandywine. And, they have some really cool names, Mortgage Lifter and <laughs> all, kinds of, all kinds of weird names. But there, there's, there's more of those than you could even, you could just start now and take the whole show naming varieties of heirloom tomatoes. And, and most of those do okay here. Um, People will have their favorites and not favorites, and like I said, we'll disagree, but it's fun to try them. And your local nurseries, generally, they won't have that huge number of varieties. They'll have a handful of different varieties that they've had success selling. They want you to be successful so you continue to garden and grow. Correct, yeah. So, yeah, and and that's why, I, you know, if it falls back to picking, you know, celebrity's been around 20, 25 years, something like that, and uh, just pretty darn hard to hard to improve on it. Um, but uh, Pearson's another one, been around forever. Um, got a little hard to find there for a while, but I've been seeing them lately, so it's it's a good one to go with too. If you want to join the conversation, it's one triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. 
one triple eight rosie for you. Text questions are 411-923, and you can send an email if you need a little help with plant or insect identification. It's info at rosieonthehouse.com. Oh, about mountains are pretty this morning. Yeah, air's fresh and clear. There was a little fog over Lake Pleasant yesterday, and it was spilling over down onto the Iowa Free as you mm. came across Carefree Highway. Almost feel, feels like a different place when we get this much rain. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it does. And, it, and, you know, it started, like you said, in October. So it was already pretty green, and then we get, keep getting these on top of it. It's just it's going to be a... A jungle out there if it came out. <laughs> It'll change our whole ecosystem. Well, we'll get to weed control later because you say oh, uh, it's going to be, be a jungle. It's already a there's jungle be in that. a lot of places. Yeah. <laughs> but we got, uh, before we get to Rollin, who's called in, a quick question from a texter. What causes blossom end rot on tomatoes? So blossom end rot is, if if you're not aware, the, the bottom of the tomato, not the end that attaches to the vine, but the bottom, turns turns black and it starts basically rotting from the bottom up into the fruit. And typically that's calcium deficiency. So there are some products out now that... Um, now does that mean too much or too deficiency, little? Deficiency, lack of, lack of well, calcium. With our hard water, it, it's still not enough calcium for tomatoes. It's the way that it's able to be absorbed by the plant, um, you know, it's just, yeah. But you wouldn't think... No, but, you wouldn't. But it is uh, it, the calcium gets tied up and and it can't be utilized. So there, there's some different calcium products uh, that you can spray on the plants. Actually, um, you can use fertilizers like Hickman's Farms Choice uh, fertilizer because the, our manure is made from laying hens, which are fed a lot of calcium. There's high calcium content in that fertilizer. Uh, using a lot of gypsum. Uh, when you plant your plants and around your flower beds, all of those will certainly help. And then watering consistently. The other part of that is sometimes with inconsistent watering, those plants will start to utilize and suck up some of that moisture from the bottom of the fruit back up into the plant. So that's also been thought to maybe cause um, some of that or at least stresses the plant to the point where then the calcium deficiency manifests into uh, the blossom end rot. We appreciate the text. You can text to 411923 or call 1-888-767-4348. Like Roland in Phoenix wants to talk about his pygmy palms. Welcome, Roland. Good morning, guys. Hey, we've got a bunch of these pygmy palms that frosted. Mm-hmm. We covered them, and they still frosted down here. Uh, it's the top part. It's all turned brown or bronze-colored. But the lower ones didn't frost. What do we do with that brown part? Do we well, it at, out or at do this we, point, we get a new growth? Yeah, good question because really on frost damage on any plant, I would not prune yet, um, whether it's a pygmy palm or a bougainvillea, until we start to see new growth coming out. In the case with palms, the problem is the new growth comes from the top as well. So if you if you start trimming off stuff at the top where most of the damage is, you're trimming off all the newer growth. Um, 
my opinion would be wait until you start getting some new growth, you know, maybe a couple of uh, flushes of new uh, fronds coming out from that bud at the top middle of the palm before you start doing much trimming. And and with palms, the one thing you can do is you can kind of do a little, you can take pieces or parts of that frond off. You don't have to take the whole thing. So that might help you as well. But um, yeah, that's yeah. that becomes a problem, especially with pygmies. They're not very fast growing. They're not going to, you know, recover super fast. You may have to live yeah. with some of that bronzish to brownish to then dying fronds for a while. Okay, well that uh, that helps a lot. Thanks, guys. You betcha. What was it about ten years ago? The last hard freeze, and there wasn't a broadcast for two Fine. years that <laughs> didn't. Someone we wasn't answered a asking ficus about question. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we got quite cold enough this year to have any ficus problems, but uh, people are back planting them again, back planting them in mass again. They. They forget. I think 2011 might have been the really, really, really hard cold freezes on those. So, let's get to uh, Susan and see how we can help her. Um, I have um, three citrus trees, and they're huge. They're almost hitting the, the side of the house. And I wanted to know the best time to um, get them pruned or trimmed. Well, first of all, let's talk about trimming citrus. They're a bush, not a tree, so we don't do heavy pruning on citrus. So if you've got a citrus tree and you want to control the size of it, you need to start pruning early and don't let it get bigger than it can get and then try and cut it back to size. Um, Ideally, the best time to probably in residential pruning, residential citrus pruning, would be later in the spring, probably after they've bloomed. Let them go ahead and bloom and flush new growth. Then maybe go in and do a little shaping, not heavy pruning. So if it's hitting the house, just take take enough off to keep it off of the house and don't over prune it. We appreciate the call. Good luck with your citrus. And it's she's in Tucson, so they're usually a couple days or weeks behind us on you know, watching for that final frost. That's true. You know, probably more like late March for them. So hang tight. Just let them, let them be for now, and we'll tack a little. That, that'll be a little bit later spring project for you. There you, you go. You're listening to a previous broadcast of Rosie on the House. A huge line of calls lined up. We've got a huge list of texts lined up you want to hit a few of those and then we'll get to our calls real quick do a a few rapid fire questions this texter wants to know what herbs are good to be planted right now right now cilantro it likes cool weather um you know basil doesn't like the cold weather but you can you know just make sure you got it in protected areas uh dill mint uh thyme probably almost any herb right now um yeah, as you're getting kind of into spring, you know, things like, you know, the one thing you got to watch with cilantro is it doesn't like the heat. So it's going to be a little limited, but you can still get it in. But uh, chives and thyme and sage and about anything you like to cook with, you could probably plant now. How do we get rid of leaf-footed bugs? 
Well, leaf-footed plant bugs. They, they're and, and they're infesting a pomegranate. Yeah, they're so not. I was gonna they say they're notorious <laughs> for sucking, poking their sharp little uh, uh, nose <laughs> beak through the skin of pomegranates, pecans, and citrus. Um, probably one of the best things for that is a, is a product called Spinosad. It's safe, uh, you know, non-toxic organic spray that should do a pretty good job on leaf-footed plant bugs. And then this last text before we get to our calls, it's, Jay, we planted a large variety of tomato this fall. A lot of them are splitting right now as they're getting ripe. <laughs> it's unsightly. They still taste good. Can we prevent the splitting? Well, splitting can be caused from, again, inconsistent watering, um, sun, sun damage or sunburn on the skin. Um, could be caused even from the cold. Um, frankly, the fact that you have some tomatoes this time of year is a little bit unusual with as cold as we got. My tomato plants froze. I forgot to cover them. I just kind of let they made it through the summer, so I left them. I didn't wasn't going to do anything anyway. But uh, but uh, now you know. I mean, just maybe pick them a little earlier. Um, let them ripen, you know, in the windowsill rather than hanging on the vine as long. That might help a little bit. Shading them a little bit as we get hotter will keep from splitting. Certainly that probably hasn't been the, the problem now, but there's there's just not a lot you can completely do to do that. You know, they pick tomatoes. The tomatoes you buy in the grocery store that are perfect are picked green, Those are- and they're gassed to make them turn red, so they don't ever have a chance to split on the vine. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get to Chris, who wants to join the conversation at one 767 4348 That's 1-888-ROSIE for you. Chris, welcome. Good morning. Two questions. Uh, first one is I'm proud of having a nice lawn, and I do not do a winter lawn, and my lawn got a third of it is probably full of a plethora of weeds. And the second question is, I had one large tree and two small trees in front of my house. The big tree fell over and broke in a storm last year, and my smaller trees are growing out and really bending towards the sun. Can I top those without getting a double leader? What kind of trees are they? Uh, They're the ones that have those pods, not the mesquite pods, the ones that split open and have the seeds inside of them. Uh, they're like an oblong, pointy pod. I don't know. Is the, the pod in a cluster of, is there more than one yes, pod? Yes, Okay, sounds like Australian bottle tree. And okay. no, if you cut the, if you cut the, if you top it, it's going to split the leader. Gotcha. Yeah. Now, I would just say, you know, maybe try guy wiring it or staking them to, Try and get them straightened up a little bit. Okay. Um, And I did my weed preventative spray in the rain on Friday in my rock area, but my lawn is just loaded with all kind of weeds. What can I put in there to try to control them now before my actual grass starts growing? Well, you can can still use a pre-emergent, use the granular type in your lawn. It's not going to con- kill what's already come up, but we're going to, we're going to, we're got a lot <laughs> yeah. more on the way. Um, oh yeah. So I would put a, a something like a dimension, uh, on as a granular application on a lawn. Okay. Um, and as far as the existing weeds, um, you know, you can just either pull them, 
mow them, keep them mowed, don't let them go to seed. Of course, using the pre-emergent will keep those from regenerating, um, you know, or deal with them with a spray if you need to. Gotcha. Thank you very much. You're welcome. You guys had a bottle tree at the old Scottsdale plant that was several massive. Yeah, several of them. They're pretty dirty. They they are. <laughs> they are they are pretty dirty. I have one in my backyard as well. Yeah. Pretty they, close to a pool. But uh seem I'm, very solid though. Or very hardy for it's our a, it's a good tree. Uh, it doesn't get super huge. Um so a decent tree for kind of narrow areas. Or areas that you don't have room for a big tree to really canopy out. More of an upright grower. And a good alternative to that. Is there one that for would be... That, for a small tree in that kind of shape? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, good small trees would be, you know, maybe a shoestring acacia. More upright um, grower tree. I, I think they're kind of pretty with that willowy habit. Uh, I think that's that's a good choice. Texas Ebony's not a super big tree. Um, so those would be a couple for a smaller tree, um, you know, just right off the top of my head. The amount of moisture, and once it warms up, the amount of growth we're going to see on a lot of these that uh, may not be properly managed. Mm-hmm. I, I, you, we'll probably see a lot of blown-over trees this monsoon season. Uh, <laughs> season could, in a or broken months. limbs. or Yeah, it's, it's, an, it's possible to some degree. That's why you need to turn your water system off <laughs> so you don't overwater them any more than they're already getting enough water. Now, you guys recently converted the front of your house from a regular lawn to an artificial turf. We did that in the front. Took We took the whole landscape out. I think I left. I have a flowering pair on the side of the front yard that I left, and I left some Arabian jasmine up in the courtyard and some queen palms. Everything else went out. Everything else is gone. So we re-landscaped the whole thing. In fact, that's my chore this weekend is I'm going to put finish off the with bark mulch. Um, in the in the planting areas, but we we took the concrete driveway out, put Belgard pavers in, and put artificial turf in, and have a whole new look, whole new house. What has that done to your water bill? My water bill in, and this is really not fair because that because it rained enough, I've had it off. <laughs> but it was like like twenty five or thirty percent of the previous year in in December and January. Don't know February yet, but it probably is going to be, you know, it was warm last winter. If you remember, we were very dry and very warm. Um, so, but it, it should be way down and, and we'll see this summer, um, will be the real proof in the pudding, uh, because we did that late last summer. So we'll see spring and summer, what it really does. We've had multiple conversations just with our neighbors about how bad the weeds are right now. No one has ever seen them this bad. That big October rain we got, yeah. it was still warm enough. It started pushing out. It started them then, and they just have. And there was things growing and blooming in the desert that you wouldn't normally see till March, and they were doing it in October and November. Yeah. That's going to really make for an enjoyable allergy season. Oh, that's true, too, yeah. <laughs> so eat your local honeys. They say yeah. that works. Those, yeah, maybe. Those, those bees forge the immunity. local pollen, and you can digest it via their honey, and it'll help build up your immune system before it kicks in. There's a lot of great local honey uh, shops 
if you really look around, there's stands out on the West Valley all over the place. You've got desert honey out of Marana. You've got crockets out of Tempe. There's there's a it's surprising just how much local honey we we have in the desert. Yeah, a lot of stuff in the desert that blooms. A lot of you know citrus honey and mesquite honey and yeah, there's there's a, of course I just left uh, uh, the Bakersfield area and the almonds are starting to just starting to pop and of course that's where you, know, you talk like the, you know the bee capital of the world I think this time of year is is over there from Bakersfield on up north on the almond trees. There's there's just boxes of beehives just everywhere, just miles. stacked up for miles. <laughs> yeah. A texter wants to know if this is a good time to plant a morning a tree. What I, kind I, of tree? I searched it, and another one that came up is drumstick tree. That's Not, a new one on me. Uh, it looks like it's uh, from India, and it, they use it a lot for medicinal purposes and oils. Okay. Well, if it's from India, it's probably tropical or subtropical, so it probably is a little bit cold touchy, so we should be about right now to start planting something like that. If it grows here uh, at all, it's probably a warm weather lover. <laughs> so most of the trees that like sisus and different things that came from India are, you know, they love the heat. And sisus do very well until you cut them down. It yeah, seems just don't like cut it down. Don't cut it down. <laughs> <laughs> make sure that tree is the right spot and make sure the spot is the right spot for that tree. And then don't ever cut it down. You'll be okay. <laughs> Larry's got an impossible question for you, Mr. Harper. Let's see how, how close to a, a good answer we can get for him. Larry, go ahead. Yeah, I, I lost a couple of uh, mulberry trees uh, that uh, the house was built in seventy. And so they're gone, and I just want to replace them with something that re- produces shade and doesn't put a whole bunch of garbage into my swimming pool, if that's not asking too much. <laughs> well, there's no such thing as a clean tree. I mean, every tree drops <laughs> something. Some are just worse than others. Yeah. Uh, if I was going to replace a mulberry and I wanted that same kind of size, I uh, wanted a tree that lost its leaves or were deciduous in the wintertime, I would plant a red push pistache. I knew that's what you were gonna say. They I mean, are beautiful. It's it just, it's just, to me, it's just one of the top two or three trees that we should be planting here, and it, they're, they're clean except when they defoliate in the late fall and early winter. So you get it all over with. The mess kind of happens all at one time, uh, and they're, they're just a good sturdy tree, and that, that'd be where I'd go. Not quite as fast growing, and the leaves aren't nearly the, as big as no. a mulberry, but. Beautiful tree. But just as dense as a mulberry. And, mm-hmm. it, yeah, the, the only downfall is it might be a little – well, it is going to be slower than a mul- – mulberries are super fast. But. We have mulberries that are the newest tree planted on the property and the largest trees on the property. Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're great. Just, just too bad we can't, we can't plant them in most cities in, in the valley anymore because of the pollen restrictions. But uh, they were a great tree. And and Hardy, we've had one. It's our it's our Jesus tree. It's been resurrected more than once. A goat ate it. A car oh, yeah. backed over it. Yeah. It turned into a multi trunk after the after the, yeah. the first eating. And it's it's this very strong two trunk. Uh, it's taller than the single trunk that was planted at the same time. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> they they were That's very a great tree. Very hardy trees and. You're listening to a previous broadcast of Rosie on the House.
In addition to tomatoes, we also had peppers. Got to get our salsa growing. Yeah, so good. You know, they're uh, you know they're not quite as critical. They're a little more heat tolerant. You don't have to be as in as big a hurry, uh, but uh, it's a good time to be getting them in as well. And then we'll you know we'll start here in a in a couple weeks uh, around the first of March with melons and cucumbers and squashes um, as we get into those uh, more spring summer uh, vegetables in the garden. So peppers, uh, you know, there's again there's a a bunch of different kinds of peppers depends on your palate as to how hot you like them or don't like them as to which ones you might want to plant and how long do peppers take i mean do they produce about the same time your tomatoes are producing pretty close yeah although they and they will continue to produce into the summer later um than the tomatoes they you know they don't mind the warm weather quite as much but uh what the hot weather in the sun will do is it will affect the size of the fruit, and, and you can and you can have the you can get the blossom end rot and cracking uh, on peppers or sunburned sides on peppers uh, from overexposure to the sun as well. Just kind of like a tomato. So um, if you're going to try and get them to go further into the summer here, you might want to consider some shade cloth or something like that. But yeah, it's fun to have multiple varieties of those because you kind of use them differently depending on what you're doing. Now, we talked about it a little bit last week uh, when we were talking trees that this is the time to fertilize citrus. You know, it's, it's not like you have to do it right on Valentine's Day. You've got a little window here. It's just a, just a good a way reminder to remember. Prompt. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, it's time to citrus as well as almost anything now, especially those plants that got a little bit of frost damage or cold weather damage to to kind of make sure they have enough energy to generate and regenerate that new growth uh, going into the spring. So great time to be feeding pretty much everything in the landscape now. I have a bag of granular fertilizer. I think it's just regular citrus food, Arizona's Mm -hmm. best. And it was, it's covered, but with the moisture and the rain, it's kind of a hard clunk. Can I just beat that with a hammer, put it in my spreader and go out and... That that becomes a problem, even if it doesn't get wet. You know, f- fertilizers just have that um, characteristic of wanting to grab onto moisture out of the air. We used to have that problem in the nurseries because we used swamp coolers, evap coolers, <clears throat> and if we had fertilizers in paper bags, you know, they would just the bags would just get soaked. You know, that <laughs> fertilizer's grabbing that moisture and pulling it through the bag, and the bag gets soaked, and the fertilizer gets hard. And but yeah, you can do, you can bust it up. It'll be fine. There's no real shelf life. It's it'll still do something. Well, yeah, it'll it, you know it's anytime it gets wet, you're going to lose some of your um, strength. But you just go ahead and use it up. It's not completely bad. And uh, you, the other thing you can do is actually put it in a bucket of water and dissolve it and turn it into a liquid and apply it that way. Oh, so another way to go if you want. Now. When you're reading the labeled bag and it's talking about certain amounts, you you still have to follow that. If I'm going to dissolve, let's say this is uh, my diameter six inches, and I've got this size of tree canopy, and it tells you how many scoops. So yeah, you'd you'd have to to measure what you were dissolving. You'd use it the same. So if it was if the tree needed five pounds, it needs five pounds, whether it's as a as a dissolved liquid or as a dry 
application. So, yeah, be careful. Don't over-apply it just because you dissolved it into a liquid. It's still got the same amount of nitrogen, whether it's a liquid or a dry. In fact, it's going to be a, a, more. a little more <laughs> absorbed. Well, it's going to absorb quicker. So you got to make sure. The other thing to do is this, which is why this makes us such a good time to, to fertilize, is you want to make sure you're fertilizing plants that are that are well watered. You don't want to fertilize a dry plant because that plant then will, <clears throat> the minute you start watering that fertilizer in, it's it's thirsty, so it's sucking that mo- that moisture, which is now laced with fertilizer, and it can do some damage. So water first or apply while or after it's raining, and then water your fertilizer in. And the same would be true if you're applying a liquid. Make sure the ground and the, and the plant is well watered before you apply it. And just out of curiosity, we did not get a winter lawn in. Mm-hmm. Uh, when do you start seeing Bermuda shoots come up? Is there a, a certain temperature at night? You've, it's got to yeah, be. Yeah, it's just temperature driven now. So when the night, when the soil temperatures get up to a certain, which is really kind of dependent on the nighttime temperatures, um, but I would suspect usually early March is when you'll start to see a little bit of green coming back on that Bermuda. So. Here in another two, two to three weeks, maybe a month, you'll start wanting to get some fertilizer on that as soon as you start seeing it green up. It's, uh, it's, it's a lot of work keeping them up. <laughs> I, I always said I'd never have one. Uh, but during the summer, when you have kids, it just, you yeah, know. Kind of a necessary, <laughs> necessary evil. To, it, kids it, and dogs kind of need some grass. It, it makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. And we've got a nice mulberry on the east and west side of the lawn. And it, it, they're not big enough yet where the, the Bermuda hasn't start, it, it hasn't killed off the Bermuda, shading okay, it from the summer. Sure. I do know and anticipate we're gonna lose <clears throat> some of our lawn space mm-hmm. when those mulberries mature. But it's still great. The winter lawn still grows underneath yes. them just fine. Well, sometimes it's better to have the shade than the grass anyway. <laughs> you can always put just put some bark mulch under there and you'll be fine. Thanks for joining us this Saturday morning. Jay Harper of The Farm's Choice, an all-organic fertilizer for just about any plant right now. Could use a little Farm's Choice. Exactly. Thank you.